Hello, I'm Pastor Juan Bryant from the Logos and Life Community Church. And thank you so much for tuning into this message that's designed to enrich, encourage, and empower your daily walk according to the powerful and divine Word of God. So join us as we listen and learn to a message that's already in progress. Keep us in perfect peace. Oh God, right now I pray. 
I pray for everyone in here today, every family that is in here today, and those that are on their way, those that are logged in watching. Father God, I just pray that you clear our minds. Let us have a fixed mind and a firm faith that we will be focused on you, on the fact that you are our deliverer, that you are our promise keeper. God, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for the opportunity of salvation through grace and mercy. Last but not least, Father, I pray for me. God, I pray that you use me to teach your people these words. Let this word be of use for their life. For them to receive it, for them to do it, and for them to share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor when you sit down and say, I'm never going back. Never going back to the way it was. And how about I can just get personal, see? How about I just say, I'll never go back to the way I was. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Amen. There is a word from the Lord on today. There is a word from the Lord on today. It can be found tucked neatly into the book of Lamentations. And I will tell you that's an encouraging word from the Lord. And normally when we hear Lamentations, everybody's like, oh Lord. Oh Lord, Lamentations. And because of Lamentations, not many people preach often from Lamentations because Lamentations is a sad book during a sad time. A sad book from a sad time. So let's look at Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations is right after Jeremiah, right before Ezekiel, tucked neatly into, in between those. And if you look there, um, my Bible reads like this, starting at chapter 3, verse 19. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind that therefore I have hope. It, you know, let me let me stop right here before I before I go to the next verse. Sometimes, people of God, it's okay to get excited by just the raw reading of the word of God. Amen. The fact that he says, therefore I still got hope. See, somebody that, that should have hit somebody. We don't wait for the sermon to shout, but right. just on the word of God. Yeah. Can, can I go back and start reading that again? And if you got a good Bible, it'll say shout here. Because this is a reason to shout. Let's go back to verse 19. Let's try it again. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, my the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and I have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. See, y'all, y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting excited just on the reading of God. He's, okay, can I, can I start over again? Remember my affliction. <laughs> and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison, I continually remember them and have become depressed, yet I call this to mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Oh! The Lord is my portion. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. 
Oh my goodness, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall remain always. Amen. Amen. Today I would like to talk to you on the topic of the journey from despair to hope. A journey from despair to hope. This message is simply for those of us, I would hate to say those of you that would exempt me, but for those of us that seem to be down but not out. Those of us that are going through some things. Those of us that have been afflicted. Amen? Yeah. The book of Lamentations is a sad book written during a sad time. You will see the disregard of God's people. But you will also see the faithfulness of our God to keep his word. Now Jeremiah, the author of this book, he's not only a prophet... But he's a poet because Lamentations are poems that he wrote about his grief. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, there's certain things we tell certain folk, but if somebody could just peek in your journal, yeah. they'll see and read how you have lamented the things or the people or the circumstances or the situations that are truly, truly bothering you. And when we read it, we'll see that he writes these poems out of despair and sorrow. But he is convinced that despair should never have the last word when God is your hope. Now keep in mind, Jeremiah was minding his business. I'm just giving you a little history. Jeremiah was minding his business, and God goes to Jeremiah in Jeremiah and tells Jeremiah that um, I have anointed you and appointed you and have assigned you to preach. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah didn't even think he was qualified, and he told Jeremiah, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Mm -hmm. He never warns Jeremiah about the journey. He only warns Jeremiah about the people. Yeah. Yeah. He says, don't be afraid of the people. Yeah. And they isn't it amazing of how people can make you not do what God has called you to do? That's good. But, That's good. But then, not only that, keep in mind that Jeremiah has been preaching for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. 40 years in one place. 40 years of baby dedications. Yeah. Yeah. 40 years of marriages and prayer meetings. 40 years without one convert. Which means people come into church, but they're not coming to Christ. No. But he's still preaching. In Jeremiah chapter 7, God even tells him, you are going to preach a message that will change people, but these people will not listen to you. In Jeremiah 7 verse 27, it says, these people will not listen to you. They have turned their, their ears from the Lord. They have the point. Will you still preach if God tells you that you're going to preach and ain't nobody going to come to the altar for church? I just thought I'd give you a little background, but let's see how Jeremiah lamented, and we're going to talk about despair. From despair, this is where we are in chapter 1. Now, when you get a chance to go home, read all five chapters. Verse chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 5 are all 22 verses. Because of the Greek alphabet is acrostic, it has 22 letters, so each section represents a character of the Greek alphabet. So that's why I tell you, when he put it together, when he penned this, he perfectly penned it as poetic as he could. But once he got to chapter 3, chapter 3 is 66 verses. 
My Bible is 66. Chapter 1, we see the desolate place. What are you saying? When you look at chapter 1, Jeremiah writes of how she sits alone. The city once crowded with people. Now she has become alone like a widow. I'm, what I'm saying is Jeremiah is preaching and telling us about a she, and her name is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city that he's referring to. He says, when I look at Jerusalem, a place that was once plentiful and prosperous is now pitiful and poisonous. Uh, he says, when you look at the state of the city, I can talk about Shreveport right now. I can talk about many areas of the United States where we used to be plentiful, where we used to be prosperous. But because of the disobedience of God's people and how God's people have turned their back on God, that now the place that was once plentiful is pitiful. This is Jeremiah writing where he says that the gates have been deserted. He says that Jerusalem has sinned grievously. Therefore, she has become the object of God's scorn. Um, now, keep in mind, the deeper you go into Lamentations, the darker it gets. This is not a book to read if you stop at chapter 2. In chapter 1, he says that we have begun to weep because the Lord has rejected us. I weep because of these things. My eyes flow with tears for there is nobody here to comfort me. This is what he's saying about Jerusalem. He said Jerusalem is weeping because there are no people of God doing it God's way in a way to comfort the earth. So it says the earth is beginning to cry. Number one, you'll see the desolate place. In chapter two, right now Jeremiah is looking around at the city. Seeing violence on every hand. Looking at the city. Seeing buildings that once were built up have been torn down. Right. Building, looking around, see once where it used to be a business is closed up. Now. Right, right. Used to be a business, now it's a parking lot. Yeah. Uh -huh. Used to be a mall, now it's a track for people to walk around in. <laughs> he says, I'm just looking around at the desolate place. You will hear him speak more in depth about the desolate place, but when you get to chapter 2, you will see his See him speak about God's judgment based on these disobedient people. Chapter 2, he says that um, without compassion, the Lord has swallowed us up. He also says the Lord has abolished appointed festivals of the Sabbath. Wait a minute. Basically, they've gotten so far away, God said, don't do another celebration for me if your heart ain't towards me. But I know what some of you are hearing. Pastor, why would the God that promised us that he would protect us now punish us? I did say that you will see God's faithfulness. Please understand that God's faithfulness is not only to his promises, but it's to his punishments too. Okay, no, don't worry about it. Because when you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you start reading, you'll get excited, you'll shout, because they talk about all of the benefits of and the blessings of obedience, of how God will make sure that no matter what you do when you're obedient, you're going to have, you're going to be blessed when you come, blessed when you go. That's, that's, 
the scripture. But when you keep on reading, notice it may be about 10, 12, or 15 verses about obedience and the benefits. But once you get down around 15, it's about 40 or 50 chapters of the 40 or 50 verses of the curses that come through disobedience. So what God is doing here is God is saying, I gotta punish you because I promised you. So I'm the same God of the punishments that I am of the Okay. That's why he says he's faithful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That if he said it, he got to do it. Yes. Not just he will do it, but he got to do it. Because if God don't keep his word, he ceased being God. Amen, amen. Okay, how about I tell you this though? See, because see, now we're going to get to the point where we're going to almost shout, not yet. But it, see, because I, I got to take you deep. Yeah, yeah. I got to drop you off in the deep. So when we get to hope, you'll have something to shout about. So watch this. The fact that God made the promises, mm -hmm. so he's the promiser. Say promiser. And the fact that punishment is happening because of because God is instituting the punishment, he's also the punisher. But doesn't it feel good to know that his promises will always outrun his punishment? See, y'all just missed that. Which means he has to punish you because it disciplines you. It has to punish you because you belong to him. And the thing about it is he promised that he would. I like I like how it also says in chapter two that God has abandoned his footstool. And when you read in Isaiah 66 and 1, it says, Thus says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God has abandoned the earth not because he don't like the earth, but because this is what he told the earth he would do if they didn't repent. We in a desolate place with some disobedient people. And one thing I will tell you is that there is a chapter 3. Please go and read the whole book. Now, chapter 3 switches gears. Chapter 3 switches gears. Have I got y'all depressed enough yet? Oh, not yet. Okay. Ain't, ain't nobody on the floor begging for mercy yet, so we're going to keep going. Chapter 3 switches gears because it uses a lot of personal pronouns, like me, my, and I. So in chapter 1, he was looking at what was going on to the earth. In chapter 2, he just was shaking his head for what was going on to the people. But chapter 3, it became personal. See, it's one thing to talk about hope when you're encouraging somebody else. Okay, don't worry about it. But it's something totally different to talk about hope when you're going through it yourself. See, when you, when, you didn't, when you ain't in it and you tell somebody, oh, just keep the faith. Oh, don't worry. God is in control. Now, now, now people that's hurting probably at the moment don't want to hear God is in control. But the people that's telling them God is in control is believing that God is in control because they're on the outside looking in. But it's not until you truly have accepted the fact that God is in control that you can have hurt when it means hope when it's you. From despair to Watch this. Chapter 3, he says, I am the man who has been afflicted. Chapter 3, he says, God, it was you that forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. He said, God, it was you that has walled me in so I could not 
escape. Have anybody ever gone through so much affliction that no matter how you turned, you figured, and you felt like you just couldn't move past it? Anybody ever experienced so much hurt or, or stress that you just felt walled in? No matter where I go, I keep bumping into my distress. I'm bumping into disappointment. I'm bump this is what Jeremiah says he finds himself. God, you can wall me in. And I cannot escape, which means I got to deal with this. Then we get to verse 16. So I'm almost there because all I got to do is read the rest of it. But 16 says that he ground my teeth on the gravel and made me cower in the dust. It goes 17. My soul has been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. How many of you, how many of us have been going through, it seems like, okay, how about I say it like this? It seems like if it ain't one thing, it's another you can't even shout because you're out, because you look like you're about to walk all the way back in the next storm. And it seems like that I'm not living from valley to mountain. I'm living from valley to valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hello. That's why us Christians can't walk around as mountaintop Christians. We have to walk around as the process Christians because people got to see that, yes, I am on the mountaintop, but I have had my valley experiences too. And let me tell you how I survived my valley. I got hope. He says he had forgotten what happened. Is it have y'all got are y'all dark yet? <laughs> Verse 18 says, Then I thought my future is lost. Which means I don't have nothing to look forward to. As well as my hope towards the Lord. He said, My hope is gone, my future is gone. Happiness is foreign to me. I see no way out of this. I have been walled in. Hmm. My God. Oh, Lord. Have I been dark enough yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, y'all says yeah. First of all, before I step into our hope, can't you see the progression of his hope? Oh, yeah. How in verse 18 he says he has no hope? And then you get round verse 21, he says, therefore I have hope. And then when you keep reading, he tells you where his hope came from. Okay, see, that's 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 how we are because first of all, when you go through something for the first time, you probably have no hope. But once you made it through, your hope is based on where you came from. Your hope is based on who has kept you. So at one time I didn't have hope, but then oh let me tell you, therefore I know I got it. And now I just gotta show you where I got it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a journey between despair and hope. Now we're in verse 19, and I promise you I ain't going to keep y'all on. That was a, the whole sermon sounded like an introduction. <laughs> oh, I'll have time. That's okay. Verse 19 says, remember my affliction and my hungerness and the wormwood and the poison. Let's stop right here. Verse 19 is Jeremiah talking to God. God, can you please remember what you put me through? Oh, my goodness. God, can you please remember my afflictions? Yeah, yeah. Remember when I was sick. Remember I was homeless. Actually, you should remember that I was homeless for the fact you the one that drove me out. Yeah, right. Remember the wormwood. Now, for all you healthy folks that shop at, at Whole Foods, you can find wormwood at Whole Foods. Whole Foods, I mean, wormwood is an herb. It is one of the most bitter herbs. They may, he's saying, God, remember my bitterness. Yeah. 
Remember my bitterness and the poison, all the stuff that was set up to kill me. He says, God, will you remember that? Then we get to verse 20. He says this. I continually remember. Okay. First, he was asking God to remember. Then when he began to read, he says, I remember. And when you remember what you're going through, does it not lead you to depression? Yeah. Oh, that's what the thing said. I continually remember then and have become depressed. Have we got dark enough yet? Because here is, it's time for hope now. Anybody ready for some hope? Anybody need hope right now? Anybody striving and hungry for hope? Take the steak off my plate and put some hope on my plate. Pastor. So here we are. Verse 21 is the shift. Verse 21 is the shift. He says, even though I've gone through everything I talked about 20 verses ago, uh -huh. even though I've seen God's judgment a chapter ago, yeah, yeah. even though I see the current condition because of the current non-existent relationship of God's people towards God, I still got hope. Okay, don't worry about it. He says, yet I call this to mind. Yeah. So there's a shift. Yeah. I, I shared this with Miss Jackie yesterday. Um, this reminds me of a story in Greek mythology. In Greek mythology, there was a young man called um, Anateus. Anateus, whenever you come through his city, he liked to wrestle. Everybody that come through, you want to wrestle. You want to wrestle. Well, one day, Hercules came through. <laughs> And him and Hercules was going at it. And Hercules was kicking his tail. Hercules, Hercules was giving him the business. Hercules was putting them things on him. Hercules had him. But what Hercules would do, he'll put a two-piece on him. He'll pick him up, then he'd throw him to the ground. Then he jumped up, but he was a little stronger. And Hercules would grab him again, pick him up, and throw him to the ground. But then Anatolius just keep jumping up. But Hercules was noticing that every time he got up, he was a little stronger than before. Mm -hmm. And Hercules couldn't get it. So Hercules would put them hands on him, picking him up, throwing him to the ground. But then Hercules realized the source of his strength. Yeah, yeah. Because Anatolius was the son of a god of earth, which means he was a part of Mother Earth. Which means every time Hercules would throw him to the ground, he gained strength. So there's actually a statue you can look up on your phone of how Hercules has picked up Anateus, held him in the air so he wouldn't touch the ground, yeah. and crushes him. The purpose of the story and the reason why it's called a shift is that when the world throws God's people to the ground, when your situation throws you to the ground, the best place for a Christian to get thrown is to the ground. Why? Because every time I hit my knees, I'm in a position to pray. I'm in a position of hope. Every time I get up, I'm a little stronger than I was before. Keep throwing me down. Despair, where are you? And it's not until we can recognize how God has led Jeremiah through despair because he knew it's in despair that Jeremiah would find hope. I think it was Dr. King that said in his I Have a Dream speech that out of the great wall of despair, if we can carve out a stone of hope. But it's not until you've been plotted against. It's not until 
you done been knocked down a couple of times. All right, all right. It's not until people keep throwing you to the ground that you will have a journey from despair to hope. Hmm. I see people that have gotten diagnosis that had a bad diagnosis and when they left, it was full of despair. But when they get a chance and an opportunity to tell their story, because what I want to tell you is this, the gear that shifted, the fact that he had hope doesn't mean his situation had changed. Okay, that's all right. It means it changed how he saw the situation. I, I just want to encourage you today. I'm not saying that your situation will change, but I'm saying that in God, how you see your situation ought to change. And I'm seeing it by saying, wherever I am, this is where God has me. It may be a little dark, but that's all right. God sees me. It may be a little hard. That's all right. God going to work it out. This is what he says. But yet, I got any yets in here? I got any yets? My marriage got hard, but yet, I'm trusting God. I got a cutoff notice and I don't have no money, but yet, okay, that's all right. I'm, I'm looking for my but yets. My anyhows. I'm going to praise him. Oh, my goodness. Look at what he said. First, he let us know that you can have hope. But then he let us know where his hope came from. And I'm just so excited of where his hope came from because he's simply letting you know. In verse 22, hold the door over there. Dad ain't gonna let nobody run past you. Dad don't let nobody go missing the keys. Mr. Harold, Mr. Ricky, don't let nobody out that door. Because if you truly read verse 22, something ought to happen to you. He's saying in verse 21, therefore I have hope. Go back to 21 for me first. It says, therefore I have hope. You do notice that there is not a period behind hope. There's a colon, yeah. which means everything after this points back to where my hope came from, right? right. So now let's look at 22. Because of the Lord's faithful love, uh, yeah. we do not perish. Can, can I see right there? That's a shout. I'm telling you, y'all just got to learn how to shout off the raw reading of God's word. Listen at what it said. He simply is saying, even though I'm going through it, the fact that I'm still here is the is a condition based on the faithfulness of God. I'm not here because I'm so good. I'm here because he's good. I'm not here because I love. I'm here because he loves me. He says, even in my despair, I can still find love. Why? Because his love is faithful. Because even when I stopped loving him, he still loves me. Even when I was his enemy, it says he loved me. Isn't that what the scripture says? He loved me first. He says, this is why I have hope. Now, here it is again. I'm going to try to read this. For his mercies never end. My God. Okay. Let's go to verse 23. Because you, you didn't get that. I don't, I don't understand. Not only will they never end, and he's faithful to give them, they knew every morning. I'm just reading the scripture. You don't have to preach it, read it. Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to encourage someone that mercy woke up before you woke up. That mercy was walking, was working before your eyes opened. I want to let you know that he says that mercy will never run out. Which means you will never run past it. You will never run by it. And it's always, it says it's new every day. The newness is not saying that he ran out yesterday and he had to restock the shelves today. No, that newness is talking about a freshness. How can something be that old? How can something be that relevant? How can something be that present but never get old? Ain't nothing in here that's been here that long that don't get old. He says, my mercies. And, and it, it, it's just reminding me of how he fed manna every day. He says, when you wake up, don't worry. It's your job to wake up if you can. And you just be you and let me be God. Yeah. And if I'm God, if you woke up, you know that was mercy. Yeah. How many of you, I, I, I dare you tomorrow, I dare you tonight to pray before you go to bed. Yeah. And then to say, well, God, if you see fit and I see you tomorrow, I'm going to praise you like never before. And then lay down and go to sleep with hope that he'll wake you up. And when you wake up, open one eye at a time. And if you look on the nightstand, mercy will say, I've been waiting <laughs> Mercy has been waiting by the nightstand for you to wake up. Mercy don't take a day off, but he knew every day. Yeah. Mercy never runs out. Mercy never falls short. You can never out. I see, I don't know. That's why I got hope. Why? Because mercy. See, I don't know people, I don't know sane people that walk into the court and all bold. No, you walk in and you throw yourself on the mercy of the court because I need mercy from the judge. This is Jeremiah saying, I know I ain't been all that. I know they ain't been all that. I know we haven't been all that. But God, it's your grace. It is your mercy. And, and, and I, I wish I knew the whole song. But he says, great is thy faithfulness. Which means you're going to do all that you said you was going to do. You're going to love me like you said you was going to love me. Whether it's a punishment or a promise, I know you are faithful to keep it. Last verse, and I'm, and I'm done. Verse 24. I wish I could just, just read it. Because it says so much about who God is to us. I'm done. He says, I say to the Lord. He says, I say. The Lord is my portion. It can sound like this. This is what he's meaning in the words. He's saying that the Lord is the all-sufficient one. Okay. The Lord is everything I need. The Lord is the I am. The Lord is the reason I have hope. Watch this. The Lord is the only inheritance I truly want. The Lord. I, I know some of us, oh, we can't wait to get that man, or we can't wait to get that job, or we can't wait to get that degree. But I want to let you know that man, that job, know that degree, any money you make, how big your house is, how much in the bank account, you can't wait to get healthy. You can't, none of that can give you hope. All right, 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 right. Nothing but God. Yeah. 
And please understand that Jeremiah did not write this about hope because he was in a good mood that day. He wrote this about hope from the bottom of his pit. From the bottom, from the middle of his storm, in the midst of his storm, when it gets the darkest, will you still see hope? Will you still know that God is faithful? Will you still know that I have hope? See, I just want to tell everybody here today that we will all reach despair. But there's a journey from despair to hope. But the hope is not found in you. That's why at the end of the verse he says that therefore in God I yeah. put my hope. Hmm. We can't hope on these jobs. I think Corona has taught us that. Well, we say Corona has taught us that, but I say Christ has taught us that. God has taught us that. All of us that put all of our faith into our jobs, and then we got nobody ever thought General Motors would close. Nobody ever thought the whole country would close. So you got to understand that where do you put your hope? You can't put your hope in your husband or your wife because they will let you down. You can't put your hope in your job, your wages, your economic status, your educational status because there's going to be a time where none of that can help you. Amen. How many of you feel, how many of us felt helpless in the last seven months? Afraid to leave the house, you felt like you were walled in. Sickness all around you. You, all you can say is, and, and I'll just grab a quote from my sister. All you can say when you're going through it is, "Lord, help today." Lord, help today. Crime on the rise. Lord, help today. Job scarce. Lord, help today. Evil in politics. Lord, help today. But I want to tell you, in the midst or in the face of racism, in the face of impartiality, in the face of bigotry, I still have hope. Because my hope is in the only person that can keep it. My hope it's on the only one that can keep me. My hope is in the Lord. Last thing is this. Before I make my invitation. I'm recalling a time where there was a man that was walking through the woods. Nothing was wrong in his life. He's just walking through the woods and all of a sudden he lost his shoes. So now he's walking through the shoe, walking through the woods, shoeless. Then he ran out of food. So now he's hungry. He has no shoe. All of a sudden, he's been in the woods for a while. He lost his flat well, his flashlight batteries friend dead. So now he has no light. He has no shoes. Has no food. And quickly it's getting dark outside. But he keeps walking, he keeps walking. And all of a sudden, he falls deep into this pit. Like, what else, God? 
so much for allowing us to share the Word of God with you today. But if you would like to witness a live presentation of the Word of God, join us 
Sunday mornings at 1045 at the Logos and Life Community Church, 8805 Juwella Avenue, Suite 121 in Shreveport, Louisiana. And again, we say thank you, and we pray that the word you received was a blessing and an enhancement to your life. And may God continue to bless you. This is our prayer.